Welcome to Groove Tracks, kind of a shorter, more focused grooving session. I'm Kurt. And I'm Tim. We have a cool groove track for you, and I can't wait to get started. So, Kurt, what is our topic today? Okay, we're going to talk about one of our favorite papers, one that has had significant influence on our work in the world of motivation and rewards. It was written by James Heyman and Danny Ariely while they were at Berkeley in the early 2000s, and it's called Effort for Payment, A Tale of Two Markets. And it was published in 2004 in the Journal of Psychological Science. Okay, so let's start with what got Dan and James going on this idea and then summarize the foundational aspects of the study. Okay, well, in our conversation with James Heyman, who, by the way, was the very first guest that we ever had on Behavioral Grooves way back in 2017. And in that conversation with James, we learned that he was finishing his PhD at Berkeley and Dan was on sabbatical from MIT and their offices were close to each other. Uh, One day, Dan stopped into James' office in the afternoon and then two completely unconnected but important things came up in that conversation. So you mean this wasn't an intentional congress of two extremely bright academics preparing to collaborate on groundbreaking research? I don't (laughs) think it was an intentional congress of two extremely bright academics, Tim. It was more like some idle chit-chat in the hall. But during the course of that idle chit-chat, Dan had mentioned to, to James that he'd been asked to give a talk to a local trade group, and he accepted the gig without any compensation. But before he was going to give that talk, the group offered him a small honorarium in cash. And that cash reward was pretty small. And it got him a little bit irritated. Well, actually, it got him very irritated, oh, okay? okay? He, he declined to do it at that point. And then James followed up Dan's story with a conversation that he had had with his brother that day about being asked to forge a neighbor's signature at the bank. And at first, his brother said, okay, but then the neighbor offered him $100 cash to do that forgery. And that got James's brother to change his mind and said, no way, no Uh, uh, way. Yeah, okay, so forging someone's signature on a formal document, especially a bank-related document, is a felony. So don't do that. Don't do that, no. But to continue the story, James asked his brother if he would have agreed to the to this request if the payment had been a dinner at a nice restaurant rather than $100 cash. And James said his brother's willingness to help meter went from pegged left, no way, to pegged right, no problem, and yeah. with the idea that the payment would be dinner. Very interesting coincidence between the conversations. Uh, Yeah, so Dan and James sat down and devised a survey that asked people what it would take to do some tasks. And they looked at different payment schemes, cash for some, candy for others, to see how motivated people would be to engage in certain tasks depending on the offered variable. The tasks in the survey included things like helping change the tire on a stranger's car or helping friends load a crappy sofa into a van. (laughs) (laughs) However, in addition to the survey, uh, they did actually have people sign up to do an actual task, which was a mind-numbing task of repeatedly dragging a virtual ball back and forth, back and forth. (laughs) back and forth across a computer screen. Okay. You you get it? You get that? Yeah. I think I get it. Uh, And just to be clear, none of the tasks uh, in the study included felony behaviors? (laughs) (laughs) No, no forging of signatures required for the study. Okay. 
All right, so let's the, the rewards that they offered for these tasks range from cash payment of 50 cents up to $20, and the non-monetary rewards were things like candy mints and various sizes of Godiva chocolate boxes. And each of these non-monetary rewards matched the cash reward in actual retail value. Yeah, okay, so the rewards were equivalent. The cash values of the non-monetary rewards equaled the cash prizes. Um, what about the participants in the study? Kirk, can you tell us about them? Because they were at Berkeley at the time and Dan was on sabbatical from MIT, the study included 600 students from both MIT and Berkeley. Imagine that. Oh. And the entire study was administered in survey form, except obviously the mind-numbing, ball-dragging exercise. <laughs> uh, they, they did that in the lab. Okay. A really cool part of the study is that this wasn't about paying for performance. The study never tried to measure someone's ability to get the task done. It was merely a way to see if they'd engage in the task or not. It was about motivation. Dan and James were trying to answer the question, what would motivate someone to engage in a particular task? Would it be money? which is more in the financial or monetary exchange? Or would it be candy, which is more like a gift or in the social exchange? And now we see the two markets from the title of the study, the social market and the financial market. Right. So the financial market is pretty straightforward to understand. We easily associate exchanging money for goods and services because it's foundational to financial markets. But what about the social market, Kurt? Though we typically don't think of a social exchange as something that happens in a market per se, economists would argue that when we share our time and energy, even when it's just to help a buddy lift a crappy couch into a van, we're sharing a precious resource that has value. And so economists would argue that we need to consider the return on that exchange. And if we offer time, we should be compensated. And sometimes money is the natural compensation mechanism. In other words, economists argue that we decide to spend time helping our buddy load his crappy couch into his van, in part based on the value of the reward that he's offering. Yep. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Right. So uh, we know who participated in the study. 600 study, your students from MIT and Berkeley. Okay. And we know the tasks that they were asked to do were pretty simple. Yeah. What would it take for them to help change somebody's tire, load a van with a crappy couch, or drag a ball across a computer screen? <laughs> and there were two conditions. Right. Of. The the monetary reward condition right, went something like this. Hey, would you help me change my tire for $20? And the, the non-monetary or social reward condition was like, hey, would you help me change this tire uh, for this box of Godiva chocolate? And we'll get to a third condition in a minute. Okay, cool. Okay, so what did the study reveal, Tim? Well, the major part of the study demonstrated that non-monetary rewards, chocolates and candies, are about 40% more effective at engaging people than cash in circumstances where there's some element of the social exchange present. Okay, just clarify, what do you mean by some element of social exchange? Like when you ask someone to do a favor, that's a social exchange. Okay, so that's cool. And the study helps debunk this myth that cash is the ultimate reward, especially relatively modest payouts of that cash. And as Dan has said many times, cash can be effective reward, but it takes a lot to get people motivated. 
All right, let's now talk about the third condition, Tim. Yeah, let's do. The researchers added a nuance to the study that is really interesting. Yeah. So, the third condition. The researchers offered the participants the non-monetary rewards, like the boxes of Godiva chocolates or the candies, but they also included the cash value alongside the reward itself. Yeah, so this third condition was called mixed market. It was a combination of the non-monetary group where the participants saw the box of Godiva chocolates as the reward, but it was presented with a price tag, like in the monetary condition. So, Kurt, imagine that you have a flat tire on your cool electric vehicle, and someone stops to see what's going on, and you tell them that you have a flat tire, and you say, hey, thanks for stopping. I would really appreciate your help changing my tire. And I can give you this $20 box of Godiva chocolate in return for helping me. How do you think they'd respond? Okay, so first off, that just seems weird, right? It seems really weird, A, that I'd have a box of you know, Godiva chocolate in my, my car. But, but of course, you know, uh, this is how it, the participants in the third condition responded to the chocolate with a price tag thing, too. Their response was about the same rate as those who were offered cash. Yeah. So maybe we should start with the obvious as you look at this chart. Um, if you have a flat tire and you have a box of Godiva chocolates in your car, do not offer it as payment because <laughs> you aren't going to get any more support with the Godiva as a reward than you would just by asking nicely for their help. Yeah, and I'm going to go on the record right now that there's no way I'm giving up a box of Godiva just for helping me change my tire. <laughs> not not, not going to happen. You know? Okay, but seriously, there are a few things to learn from this study. And the first is that people will engage in a lot of tasks for rewards that are just social in nature, not monetary. That gifts or non-monetary rewards are at the top of the list. And this is important for leaders and companies who are hoping to motivate their our workers to engage in discretionary tasks. Now, there are certain situations where employees just need to get on board with a new behavior, you know, the policy thing, or employees simply have to comply. But when the task engagement is discretionary, non-monetary rewards can be very effective. And just to be clear, monetary rewards do have a place at work. We go to work in large part because we're paid to do it. It's part of that underlying economic contract that we have around work. But cash also tends to make the exchange more transactional, which is not optimal for discretionary effort or repetitive tasks. So for instance, you might fill out a survey for a $5 gift card but would you be willing to fill out 20 surveys for $25 gift cards? Yeah. So we also learned that a monetary reward can make even a social exchange feel transactional, like it's a job or a deal. It's like the way that we take the price tag off the bottle of wine when we go to a friend's house for dinner. We wouldn't want to say to them, hey, to thank you for being so kind and inviting me over for dinner, I brought you a $15 bottle of wine. That would be awful. We take the price tag off before we give it to them, so we focus on the wine, not how much we spent. Except for when I come over to your house, Tim, <laughs> when I give you that three dollar, you know, three chuck buck chuck, three <laughs> buck chuck, I leave the price tag on that because you don't really care how much I spend on the wine, right? All right, we we digress, we digress here. So uh, that's how uh, Dan and James put it in their paper, and I quote, and this is it: quote. Finally, in mixed markets, the mere mention of monetary payment was sufficient to switch 
the perceived relationship from a social market relationship to a money market relationship. That is, money itself can be a cue to the type of exchange that individuals consider themselves to be in, which in turn influences their propensity to exert effort, unquote. Mm -hmm. So in effect, you can spoil a good situation with a bad reward. As you can tell from the chart, telling people how much the reward was worth was just as bad as giving them the money. Standard economic models expect that humans should trade their time and effort for appropriate amounts of money. And these models expect that we will be calculative about these decisions. Less desirable or higher effort tasks should demand more compensation than lower effort tasks, regardless of the situation. But that's not what the study suggests. Right. More people engaged in social market tasks when they were rewarded with gifts, regardless of the amount of effort. And it also matches what Tim and I see in the real world, that sales reps who are supposed to be very cash-oriented and expected to exert discretionary effort for an extra buck tend to engage more when the rewards are luxurious trips, backyard grills, or fancy golf clubs, those non-monetary rewards as opposed to the equivalent money. Yeah, so don't kid yourself. There is a social exchange at work. Just because we're paid to get out of bed and go to work doesn't mean that everything that we do at work is for money. I can't remember the last time one of my teammates told me that to answer my question about some Excel troubles I was having was going to cost me 20 bucks. That would be awful. Well, and, I, I, would, I would make you pay 20 bucks, but that's you, me. You would. But also remember that the social exchange is fragile. So be careful out there, groovers. Don't turn your social exchange into a monetary exchange by equating your reward with its cash value. Get your non-monetary rewards on and go out and find your groove. Groove.